Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever Faith on the Air podcast. My name is Mariah Logan, and I am so, so excited to be with you today and so honored that you would take a minute just to listen and to be encouraged today. This has been something that's been in my heart for a while of something to do. And so last week we got the opportunity to just kind of recap what God did in our church and what God did at camp last week and, and just how he moved and how he worked. And we, we, we just enjoyed it so much and we believe that people enjoyed it. And so we thought, you know what, God, we're just going to go for this. We're going to start this podcast where we hope to encourage you. But just a little about me. I am the pastor here at Edgewood Full Gospel Church love my church, love the people that go here. We're in the middle of the cornfields, the bean fields of central Illinois, in case you've never heard of Edgewood. Yes, we're from Illinois, but no, it's not near Chicago. We're actually more near St. Louis, um, but love it here. Believe that God has a great harvest here, a great work here, um, and just excited to do um, the word of God. And I am joined today by my amazing brother, Jacob, and I want him to take a few moments just to introduce himself before we get started today. Hi, I am Jacob Logan. Uh, Pastor Mariah is my sister. And uh, I do go to Edgewood Full Gospel Church here too, and we are just really excited for this podcast and what it's going to go into, and just letting it speak into your life throughout your week as you're going to work or whatever you're doing throughout your week, that this brings faith into your into your life and into your daily day day to day things that you go through. And we're going to get into that later. But the first thing I want to say is, if you're anywhere in Illinois and you're looking for a good church in Central Illinois. Our church is wonderful. Pastor Mariah does an awesome job, and I want to give give a little testimony at first. Mariah was my pa not my pastor, but she is my sister also, like I said, and she was the person to lead me in Christ back a long time ago when I was young. She was a person who led me to the sinner's prayer. So without Mariah, I might not be standing here today. But so I owe, owe that to her. I uh, give her thanks for that for always being even when from a young age she was always hungry for what God had for her life, always serving in for what God wants to do through her, and she's still doing that, and she's doing an amazing job as a pastor and a worship leader and just everything with a servant's heart and what God wills in her life. So uh, I just thank her for that, and she does a wonderful job, and if you're looking for a church, she will do a wonderful job. That's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Jacob. I, I appreciate that. It did feel weird coming out of the mouth. <laughs> yeah, say uh, first time in 20 years, but... Thank you, and uh, I'm thankful for both of my siblings, thankful for my family, and um, people, we're very close, and some may think that's weird, but I think it's a blessing, and I'm thankful to do ministry with my family, but I wanted to go talk about a little bit about the name of this podcast, Faith in the Air, and we sing this song in our, in our church, yeah, the name of the podcast is Faith on the Air, but we sing a song in our church called Faith in the Air, and it's the lyrics are, there's a spirit of faith in the air. I can feel it right now everywhere. The Holy Ghost is moving. Your future's improving. There's a spirit of faith in the air. Hallelujah. And, you know, I first heard that song. I was at a Ted Shuttlesworth camp meeting in Fairmont, West Virginia. And a great mentor and friend and just man of God that I respect, um, Doug Eccles, he leaned over to me while um, the, the worship leader, Teddy Shuttlesworth Jr., was leading this song that God had just dropped in his spirit. And Doug leaned over to me and he said, you might want to record this. And so I grabbed my phone out really quickly and I thought, he is right. So I recorded the song and got back home and that song just kept going in my spirit, going through my mind all day long. You know, I'd seen that. There's a spirit of faith in the air. And so I put chords to it and man, it's been an anthem for our church. Um, it's yeah. been an anthem for, you know, we sing it at camp meetings this year. And I truly believe that. I believe that with God, there is nothing that is impossible and that God wants to do great things in your life. Don't ever believe the lie that your life has to get worse and worse. No, God wants your life to get better and better. And with the power of God, with the Holy Ghost, your future is not going to look dimmer, but your future is going to look brighter. There's a spirit of faith in the air. The Holy Ghost is moving. Your future is improving in Jesus' name. And, and that's kind of how we came up with the name Faith on the 
Aaron, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So wherever you're at right now, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're at the gym, maybe you're taking care of your kiddos, maybe you're at work. I don't care where you are. You're going to be blessed today because you're taking time to let the word of God come to you. You're taking time to hear the word of God and your faith is going to be built because of that. So we're going to get started into the word of God. But first, I'm just going to pray for us, pray for you before we get started. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that today as your word goes out, that it's not going to return void, but Lord, it's going to accomplish much. Lord, it's going to encourage. Lord, that it's going to change. Lord, that it's going to challenge. Lord, that your word is going to build faith today in every person listening. And I thank you for that. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen. Well, Jacob, today I preached, this is a Sunday evening, and this morning that we're recording this podcast, and this morning I preached out of 1 Samuel 30 about when David gets back um, to his home and he realized that all of a sudden his wives, his children are completely gone, everything is left in ruins, and he goes through this time where his own um, people, his own men turn against him. The Bible says that they were bitter about losing their sons and their daughters, and they begin to talk of stoning David. But the Bible says that David found strength in the Lord his God. And you know, the thing is, I think a lot of people, when they're facing battles, they kind of come to this point, they kind of come to a fork in the road, if you will, and they have to decide, am I just going to be defeated by this battle, and am I going to just go back to the old way of life, or, I, or am I going to believe the word of God, and am I going to keep marching forward and believe the word of God, that I'm going to recover all, that nothing's going to be missing, and, and that God has the victory for me, for my family, for my life, in this battle, that I have the victory, because the truth is, is that we know that battles are a scriptural thing, that in life we're going to have battles in life. We may face trouble. We may face trials, but defeat is not, is not scriptural that God does not want, or God does not will his children to ever be defeated. But because he sent his son, Jesus to the cross, we already have the victory. If you're a born-again believer today, victory is already in your will. Victory is already in your package. And if you're not a born-again believer, you can get born again today, even by the end of this broadcast. And yes, the devil may try to attack you. Yes, the devil may try to, to um, ruin things or try to come. That's his job. He, his, the Bible says in John 10.10 10, that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy destroy. And, and he tries to do that in people's life. But thank God that that's not the end of the scripture. But Jesus said that I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so through the, the power of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, be, through Jesus, we have victory. Victory over sin, victory over sickness, victory over disease, and victory over whatever battle that you're facing today. Yeah, that's so good. And um, Mariah talked about what she preached this Sunday morning, and also, it just so happened that I was teaching the um, uh, Sunday school to this morning, and I was teaching the same thing, but out of different passages, and we're going to get into that today, but there was, just kind of going in our church, we had this high, we talked about it last, last week in the podcast about having this camp and having a wonderful service on Sunday, and the Spirit of God was touching people's lives and changing them and taking them deeper, taking them higher into their call of life and taking them deeper. But something that me and Ryan have both noticed, and after people facing attacks, people getting burned, people getting sick, all these attacks on people's lives, but there's a, um, just a um, pattern that you see in the Word of God that every time you have a victory, every time you're getting closer to God, the devil doesn't want you to see you have the victory. The devil hates to see the children of God succeeding, going closer, going higher, and great things happening in life. The devil absolutely hates that. See, the devil, I, some people will tell you, the devil wants, will make your life unhappy, and he'll take the joy out of your life. But that's not the devil's goal. The devil's goal is to kill you. The devil's yeah, goal is to take right. you out and take you to hell. He doesn't want anything good to happen to you. Again, we went over it. God is a good God. The devil's a bad devil. Everything bad comes from the devil. And so when you're doing this good thing, the devil sees that, there's always this last-ditch effort from the enemy to rear his ugly head to get you to doubt and get you to go back on what God is taking you 
to the promised land, and we're going to get into that. And where I want to start today is what I was teaching today, and it goes along with Mariah's. David had this mighty victory. He was doing all these things. They were, they were, him and his mighty men were doing these great things, and the challenge of the enemy came up, and they had to choose between life or death. They had to choose what they were going to do, get in the presence of God and go forward with what they were doing on the right path, or give up and give, up, give over. And if the devil, the devil's already a loser. He loses 100% of the time. He was a failure in the beginning. He's going to be a failure at the end. That's right. But the only way he wins is, is if you give up. If you forfeit and give up, then the devil wins. And no, I speak today that nobody listening to this podcast is going to let the devil win another victory in their life. Come on. That's so good. And so today where I want to start is in Exodus chapter 4. And just a little backstory. We know what's happening in Exodus here. Moses was, a, was an Israelite, a Hebrew born, but he was raised in the Pharaoh's palace. Pharaoh was his grandfather. So he was raised as an Egyptian, but then he laid down his Egyptian and his um, riches and his glory and his honor as a prince of Egypt to be, cup, to be like one of like his brothers, his Hebrew brothers. So he laid all that down. That reminds me of Jesus when he was in heaven. He was a king in heaven. He had everything he wanted. But the Bible says he laid all that down to come to earth in a lowly position to save you and me so that we can live as kings and priests in a heavenly kingdom. And I just, the correlation there, and there's multiple correlations in there. But Moses ends up killing a man. He flees to um, Jethro where he meets all these places and he has an encounter with God at the burning bush and he encounters God and God tells him what he's supposed to do and he tells him to go back to Israel that he's going to be the deliverer of Israel. Now Israel has been in bondage for 400 years. The Bible told God told Abraham in the Bible that they're going to be enslaved for 400 years but then he will raise up a deliverer. There's this prophecy about it and you have to think as the children of Israel at this where they're at in this moment their grandfather died believing in somebody to come to deliver them. Their father died believing. And now the elders are, are standing there. And I want to read in Exodus 4, verses 29 is where I want to start today. And this is Moses comes down with Aaron, and they're going to t- address the elders of Israel. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and they were and when they heard the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked on their afflictions when they bowed their heads and worshipped. So Moses comes and tells him, hey, I'm the deliverer. God has raised me to a level to deliver you. He's called me. He gives me the signs. He's given me this rod that I can do signs and wonders with it. And that's a type and shadow of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we have this gift that we can have signs and wonders and point people to the, the true king, to almighty God. And so he's saying all these things, and the children of Israel are ecstatic. They're excited. They're believing it. And that's where you're at. You had this high at camp. You had a miracle in your life. You saw a healing take place. You saw bondages get broken off your life. You saw some great things happen in your life and your level of faith went to the next level. You started believing it and you were excited and you were you were on fire for God looking for what to go next and you started walking on your on your trip to the promised land. You started walking on your trip to the promised land. And so then what happens is Moses and Aaron they go and tell Pharaoh the same thing they just told him. And they go tell him the same thing. And Pharaoh doesn't take it as good as the Israelites. He wasn't excited, but he said, who do you think I, you think I honor this God? And he actually says, you know, you guys are making up all these stories about a fake God and all this stuff that you want to worship. You need to go out to the desert and worship him. You're too, you have too much idle time. Now, the Israel's life, what, it, what the children of Israel's life looked like right now is waking up at sunrise going to work, bake bricks, hard work, getting beat all the time, living a crappy life, and then going to bed when the sun went down, fall asleep from exhaustion, wake up the next day and do it over and over again, living a horrible, horrible life. And so what happened is Pharaoh said, well, I don't think you have too much time on your hands. So now you have to make the same amount of bricks, meet the same quota, go through the same harsh conditions, But now we're not even going to supply you with what you need. We're not going to give you the straw that you need to make bricks, but you're going to have to find it yourself. So now they have to wake up even earlier, do more work, and meet the same quota. And so now they're going through harder trials and getting beat more because they're not meeting the quota. And this is what happens. And then in chapter 5, verse 20, they say, Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron. So this is the children of Israel coming out of their meeting with Pharaoh when Pharaoh just told them, You're too idle. This is what you're going to have to do now. They met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. Now, these are the same elders that were just celebrating a chapter earlier when they heard the word of the Lord. 
So you heard this, you, ha- you saw this miracle. You had this miracle happen in your life. You were on cloud nine. But then what happens is we talked about the devil hates that. So he's going to put something in your way to get you to change your mind, to get you to repent. At camp, Mark Rivers taught an amazing message about repenting, and it's just changing your minds. And so the enemy, he can't stop you. He can't physically get in your way. On an altar card, there's never been a demon stop somebody in the middle of the aisle and say, no, you can't come up. But he gets you to change your mind. No, not today. No, no, that's not for me. He gets you to doubt the word of God, and that's how the devil works. You see, he never, he can never make you stop. He never makes made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bow to the idol. He can just give them temptations. He can just heat up the fire seven times harder to get you to change your mind on the word of God. He got, what did he do to to, um, Eve? He said, did God really say that? What did he do to Jesus? He got him to doubt. He gets you to doubt, and that's what he wants to do. And so he he rears up, and he flares his last-ditch attack to get you to doubt the word of God, to get you to doubt this experience that you had. And And that's what he's doing here. And the children say, They met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put the sword in their hand to kill us. So now they're saying, you need to be judged by God. You've done this wicked thing to us. And now the challenge is, they doubted the word of God, and they started looking to who God put in their life to deliver them. And now they start blaming them, and they say their life's worse. They start complaining, and all these bad things happen. And so they failed the first test. But how many know God still worked through them? He still worked through Moses. And the story ends up going that uh, Moses did all the signs, the ten plagues, the plagues of blood, plagues of um, lice and frogs, and all these things that the... um, that God did these signs to release his people. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 14. After all these things happen, their, their firstborn died, and Pharaoh finally gets fed up, and he says, leave. I, I don't want you in here anymore. I, believe, I, I finally know that you have a God, and he gets him to leave. And so now all the Israelites, they're on that high again. They, they went to another camp. So what happens is you went to a camp, then you went, met a roadblock in somewhere, and you got cold again. But the good news, you went to the camp the next year, and you got back on fire. So they're heading down, and they're, they're, they're all celebrating. The Bible says there's about probably approximately 1.3 Israelites at this time. Everybody's having a party. Everybody's excited. We're finally getting to go to the promised land that's been prophesied for so long. And in chapter 14, verse 11, what happens is, they go, what happens is they're celebrating, and what happens? They come to the Red Sea. Now, I like the Bible. It says before, in chapter 14 that the way they went, they could have went the way of the Philistines, but the Bible says that God took them a different way, lest they see the war and all that thing, and lest they turn around. And that's the first time Mark was talking about that of the word repentance is used, but it means change your minds, lest they would change their minds and go back to Egypt. And that really spoke to me. The Bible says in James, that in 1.13, that God is not the one who tempts you. God doesn't tempt you. And the Bible also says that God will not allow you to go through a level of temptation that you cannot bear. And so let that speak to you. Anything that you're going into your life, God has to have allowed it. Now there's a difference. Well, God allowed it. God does not, God does not put sickness on you, but he allows it because he allows what you allow. He says, whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. But whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. So whatever you allows in your life, you allowed it, God allowed it, whatever. God did not let them go through a level of temptation that they could not bear. So any, now let that speak to you. Anything that you're going in through life, sickness, temptation to sin, to watch something you're not supposed to watch, smoke something, drink something, anything that you know is a sin, the level of temptation you're going through, God knows that you can get through it. God has given you. Ephesians says God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing and given you the strength to get through that what you need to get through. And so never have the option that you say, there's nothing I can do. The temptation is still over. I might as well give in. No. God has, has, knows exactly where you are. He knows every hair on your head. He knows exactly every circumstance you're going through. And he will not allow you to go to a level of temptation that you cannot make it through. And let that, let that sink in. Nothing is too strong for you. Because God protects his children. God is with his children. And so they go to the Red Sea, and they're facing the Red Sea. In verse 11, they cried out to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die here in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us out from Egypt? Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. So then again, they start complaining again. 
They start complaining. Oh, you took us out here to Egypt. They go back to the same thing. Let God judge you, 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 you wicked person. When they don't, the Bible says that God was taken to the promised land. The word of the Lord said they would take them and deliver them to the promised land. But what happens is the second time they started doubting the word of God. And Mariah preached a mar- marvelous message today about David. But David didn't doubt the word of God. He got in the presence of God, and he did the, option, the opposite of what the Egyptians were doing. He didn't complain about God, but he got in God's presence, and he got God's will on the subject, and he went forward, and he pressed ahead. So I'm telling you this. When you start getting closer to God, I'm just telling you, giving you a forewarning, giving you a warning, the devil is going to come on, come against you harder than he's ever come against you to get his last-ditch attack to get you to fail. But if you keep strong, you keep going, going. You keep walking on the path to the promised land. God's will is for you to get in the the path of the promised land. God's will is for you to speak to the mountain to be removed. He doesn't remove the mountain for you. Your faith removes the mountain. You speak to the mountain. You speak to the Red Sea. It parts. You cross on dry ground. Now you think, what Why are they determined? God wasn't putting the Red Sea in their way to make them have a struggle. He put the Red Sea, he took them that way to destroy their enemies. Their enemies went through it and he destroyed the same sea that they thought was a bad thing, was the best thing that could happen for them because it killed their enemies. So I prophesy today, anything you're going through today, you're going to make it through even better. It's not going to hurt you, but it's going to make you better. It's going to knock stuff off your life that don't need to be there, that's holding you back, that's drawing you back into the land land of sin, Egypt, that you want to keep going back to because that's what Egypt Egypt symbolizes. Egypt symbolizes the world, the world of sin that you were once in, and you're being brought out of it into the promised land of the abundant life that God has for you. But anytime you feel we, it's better for us in Egypt, and you had that temptation to go back to Egypt, no, just keep going forward. Keep pressing in the will of God and knowing the will of God. Now, something I think is very interesting, Maya, if you have anything to add in, just go ahead and add in here, but something I think is very interesting in Psalms 103, if you have your Bible, I, ho- I encourage you to have a Bible when you're listening to these podcasts because I know Pastor Mariah is a woman of God's word, and we hold that at the highest standard. If it's in God's word, it's true. Amen. Unless you're driving. You, you don't have to have your Bible with you when you're driving. But And if you're driving, just let Jesus take the wheel because <laughs> Carrie Underwood um, sang that anointed song. <laughs> so Psalms 103.7, I want to read this. This is very powerful here. Psalms 103.7 tells us, he made his ways known, he made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of God. Now, what does that mean? You can read it. He made his will to Mo- known to Moses, or Moses understood the will of God, and the children were just going off of the circumstances of life. That's good. They had they saw the acts that God did. And if that see, if that's what your life is going off of. It's just going to church and seeing somebody else get a miracle. See God's act known. Oh, that's so mighty. And see, here's the thing. You ask the question, okay, where was um, Moses leading the, the children of Israel out to? 99% of people are going to say he was leading to the promised land. But that's not what Moses said. He said, I'm leading my children to the wilderness to see God, to serve God. See, before you go to the promised land, you have to meet the promiser. And so he was taking the same mountain that he saw the burning bush on, that he had this encounter. Now think about this. Now, this, uh, now we're talking about the bad thing that's happened, that devil's gonna, the devil's going to attack you. But now I want to get into, okay, what do you have? What do you need to have? What steps do you need to take? Practical steps to get through that, to not trip up, not to want to go back to the land of Egypt. Well, think about it. Moses was raised in the palace of, of a pharaoh. His grandfather was the richest person on earth. He had everything he wanted to in Egypt, but not once did he ever say, it's better for me back in Egypt. Why? The Israelites kept saying, and they lived in the slums. They had the worst of the worst life. They had a horrible life. But they're the ones that kept wanting to go back. And time and time again, you see that in our life. The people that are so bound in sin, addicted to drugs, can't hold a job down, uh, losing people in their family, children die. All these bad things happen in their life. They're the ones that always want to keep going back into sin because they they didn't have an encounter with God like Moses did. Moses had an encounter of God. Moses was in the presence of God, and he was a friend of God, and God made his will known to Moses. The children of Israel were just, when they brought, they went to the mountain, and, and the Spirit of God was there, and Moses was there, and the children of Israel got scared, and they said, whoa, 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 Moses, you, you just talk to God, and you just tell us what he said. 
See, if you keep going, Pastor, you, you get to God. You talk to God. You read your Bible. You pray in the Spirit. You get the Word of God, and then you, you just tell us. I, I don't want to have a relationship with God. But if you're doing that, and you're just coming to church to just learn about God and just to see miracles and just to maybe raise your hand once in a while and worship and just get that good little feeling, but you don't have intimacy with God like Moses did, have an encounter with God where you know him and you know the power of his resurrection and Come you know on. that in your life, then you're going to keep wanting to fall back into temptation the same bondage that was beating your back, that was killing you day and day and day after day after day, but you want to go back to it because you don't have a relationship or an intimacy level like Moses did with God. That's right. And I, I in Psalm 103, verse 7 in the NLT, I love it. it says, he revealed his character to Moses. And you know, a lot That's of good. people, they serve God, but they have no idea the character of God. They have this idea about God that maybe a human taught them or circumstances have taught them or religion has taught them, but they don't know the character of God. They don't know that he's a loving father. And I was just reading, I believe it's in Matthew 7, uh, talking about if you and your, the, the earthly fathers would good, give good give good gifts to their children, how much more would your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? And, you know, God is a good God. God did not, does not put sickness and disease on you. God does not put trials and temptations on you like you so awesomely put before. God is a good father, and we must know his character. And the best way to know his character, I believe, is to read his word. Yeah, and that's pe- so true. People don't read his word, so then they think, oh, man, maybe God is putting me through this. Oh, man, maybe God is doing this bad thing to me or, you know, God's tempting me. Man, it's so hard right now. But God reveals his character to, I believe, to those. The Bible says that when you seek me with your whole heart. You will find me. God's not hiding from you. God's not trying to just see if you're going to pass this test and, and just waiting with a clipboard and a stopwatch. No, God wants to reveal to you who he is, that he's your father, that he loves you, and that you are going to make it through this. And not just make it through this, but make it through this stronger and better than ever. Yeah. And so that was the, the message that we talked about is... You have this, these challenges, and we told you how to get through it, is having intimacy with God, having a personal relationship with God. But how do you know that? And we talked about knowing the will of God, knowing his ways, knowing his character. And I really like the verse in Ephesians 5, 17. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So it's saying, if you don't know the will of God, you're unwise. But the Bible tells us, clearly tells us, and if you read Proverbs I mean, it's like almost every other verse that you need to have wisdom and how wisdom, God wants you to have wisdom. God wants you to be wise in every circumstance. But get this, you can know the will of God and you can be wise in different levels. See, some people know, they understand God's will is for everybody to be healed and they walk in health, but they don't understand that it's God's will for everybody to be blessed and they, they walk in poverty. And they could be, it could be the opposite. They know it's God's will for everybody to be saved and they believe that. They could be, but they say, well, not everybody can pray in tongues. Well, then they don't walk in the will, and they're fools in that area. Not that they're stupid, not that they're dumb. It's just that they don't know the will of God in that area, and that's where the devil can attack. In this podcast, faith on the air. It's so important, faith. And that me and Mariah talk about it all the time. If you don't have faith for something, you can't receive it because everything we receive from the word is by faith. But faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know the will of God... You can't have faith on something. If you don't know three scriptures on something, it's very hard to believe God for it. And so if you don't know the will of God, um, you're kind of up a creek without a paddle. But thank God we can know his will. That his will is in his word. And and you can read his word and know his will. I want to take a minute just to get really practical, Jacob. Because I, I believe there's people listening to this that go say, okay, I've realized that, you know, I did have this experience this encounter with God, Uh, you know, maybe you were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, maybe you were set free from sin, set free from addiction, God did something for your family, but time has passed and the devil has tried to attack you, he's tried to come in and destroy, to steal, to kill like like he does, and you've recognized that, and you're saying, okay, I'm in this battle, but I know that it's the Lord's will for me to have victory. I know it's the Lord's will for me to, to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. So what do I do about it? 
And I want to get practical because, you know, there is an answer in in the Bible for your problem. God's, again, God's not hiding from you. God's not just saying, well, just see if they figure it out. Whatever you're facing today, there is an answer to your problem. And and God has the answer. So first, I just want to say practically, in, in 1 Samuel 30, it talks about after David, you know, he realized that everything had been raided, you know, everything had been destroyed, his his wives, his children were gone, and even the men were turning against him, and it says in, in um, the NLT, it says, but David, and I think there's a time that you're going to have to make a choice. You can't always put everything on God, everything on other people. You have to decide what you're going to believe. Yeah. Are you going to believe the word of God? Are you going to believe what the Bible says? Are you going to choose, the Bible says, to walk in the spirit. To walk in the spirit and then you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. See, And a lot of times we don't want to make the choice to walk it out. But you have to choose today. Am I going to walk after the spirit? Am I going to choose the things of God? Or am I going to choose to go back to Egypt? Am I going to choose to go back to those things? Don't blame it all on God. It's up to you to make a choice. He will help Help you in that choice. He will strengthen you in that choice. He will bless you when you, as you make the right choice. He'll order your steps. But first, you've got to make it up in your mind. Make it up in your spirit. Devil, it doesn't matter what the battle is. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what my emotions are telling me. Let me tell you, when you'll get the revelation that your emotions and your feelings do not dictate your choices, it'll change your life. Yeah. Because so many people, whatever they feel is what they do. If I don't feel like going to work today, I'm not going to work today. If I don't feel like going to church today, I'm not going to go to church today. If I don't feel like reading my Bible today and i rather just scroll through TikTok, that's what I'm going to do. But there is a choice that you can make that is the biblical choice, that is the will of God. And you have to make it up in your mind today that I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord my God. I'm going to walk after the Spirit of God. And that's so important because you said today. It's not a one-time choice. And a lot of people get tripped up by that. It's not a one-time choice coming to the altar and giving your life to God or a one-time choice coming to the altar and being filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, today I set before you that's good. a choice of life or death or blessing and cursing. Read that every single day because the Bible never, it doesn't change and say yesterday. It keeps saying today. Today I set before you. So every day you wake up, you got to be like Paul. I crucify the flesh. I put it under every single day. I choose life. I choose to walk in the will of God. You have to get your daily bread. That's Jesus right. told his disciples to pray like that. And we, we're talking about being very practical. You need to read the word of God every single day. Come on. And that was my testimony. I, I grew up Christian. I, I grew up every, knowing, knowing everything. But it wasn't until my life I got on the path of God wants my life when I started reading the word of God. And, and we're talking about how do you, you have, have to have intimacy with God to get over this thing that we're talking about, uh, this challenge that the devil is going in your life, and knowing his will. Because if you don't know his will and you just think, oh, maybe this is God's will that I'd be sick. No, understand his will and then you, you know, okay, this is not God's will. So his power is in his blessing and his, in his um, strength coming behind me is going to be behind me to get through this thing and to speak death to that thing, to speak death to the sickness or whatever the trial is in your life. But you have to know the will of God. And how you do that, read your Bible and pray specifically in the spirit every single day. And reading the Bible first. Why? Because if you don't know the written word of God, why is God going to let you know the unwritten word of God? And that's what prayer is for. The Bible isn't going to have your specific, you're supposed to marry so-and-so, you're supposed to go to college, this place. It doesn't say that. Now, he can speak to you through your word, but a lot of that's revealed in prayer, the unwritten will, the unwritten will of God. But first, you need to know the written will of God. And so... This thing I was talking to you about, you have this victory in life, you're going deeper with God, and there's always a challenge. There's always Satan is going to rear, rear it up. So just know it. Before we went to camp, we were telling people, make it, set it in stone. I'm going to camp. Without a doubt, something's going to come up. Your job's going to say, hey, I need you to work that. We'll give you this much more money if you work it. But you have to stand up and say, no, I am doing this. And that's what you have to do with God. And that's what you have to do with not going back to Egypt. You're saying, I'm not going to do that. See, that's what happens. People say, I don't know how to get over sin. Just stop. Just stop. Come on. I can't just stop. You have to just stop. Tell your flesh, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not letting my thoughts dwell on that. And you have to make up in your mind, you know the will of God, and you're just going to stop. Now, this might come across harsh, but I had to do that with myself. 
when I kept falling into temptation and keep struggling, you have to tell yourself, just stop. Quit doing that, Jacob. You're not doing that. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. And so I was in the shower, not to put a weird image in your mind, but I was getting ready for the Sunday school, and I was thinking about teaching this message today, and God dropped it in another. Mariah gave you one example, victory and it happening, Israelites. But God told me, God showed me the story about um, Jesus. When Jesus was baptized in water, and he came up out of the water, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was filled, had the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The Satan never once attacked him before that moment. But as soon as Satan saw the Spirit of God flowing into him, and he knows he's got a power that I can't stop. He's got a power that's greater than anything I have. I need to get him to derail him. Now, he couldn't physically stop him. He, he couldn't physically say, I'm going to take you to hell. He knew he couldn't, he had no power to stop him. So what he tried to do, just like Eve, just like the children of Israel, just like David, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Daniel, just like everybody in the Bible, he had to get him to doubt God. And what did he do in Matthew 4? We're going to start in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up to the spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Again, God's not tempting you. Every temptation, every struggle, every sickness, every challenge has its root in a demonic force. And it was when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter, there it is, Satan again, came to him and said, If you are the Son of Man, or Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, see, that's not... That's not anything bad. Why is it bad for him to say, uh, make something become bread? What was the thing before that? He's getting him to doubt. If you are. Did, to Eve, did God really say not to do that? He always gets you to doubt. The Bible says the sin of the world is their unbelief. Because everything in life has to be based off of faith. Any sin has its root in unbelief. Because any sin, you, you, you want to watch something you're not supposed to watch, or, you have to be doubting, okay, maybe this Christianity stuff isn't really real. There's unbelief rooted in every sin. The sin of the world is unbelief. And he, that's what the devil will try to do. He gets you to doubt. He gets you to lay down. He gets you to get off the path of, of living on a miraculous, holy life that's leading to heaven. That upward call that we, call, that we talked about last. He wants you to get your, take your foot off the pedal and doubt God. But... Jesus knew better than that. He had intimacy with God. And how did he do? He read his word and he prayed. When he was 12 years old, the Bible says he was marveling the teachers and scholars by what he knew about the word. And multiple times, the Bible says he drew himself away from everybody and got alone and prayed with God. He had intimacy with his father. In verse 4, he said, But he answered and said, It is written, You shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give your angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things that I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Now think about this. The Jesus already knew that when he died, he was going to go to hell. He was going to take back the, the keys that Satan had and all the kingdoms. The Bible already said Jesus was the king of kings. So he's, again, he's getting him to doubt. That might not happen, but if you worship me now, I can give you these things. He's getting him to doubt the word of God. Get, the Satan is going to try to get you to doubt. That's why he's putting this sickness on you. That's why he's burning you. That's why he's hurting your family. That's why he's causing disunity. He wants you to doubt the word of God. Because if he can get you in the land of doubt, if he can get, draw you back to Egypt, he will win the battle 100% of the time in Egypt. But if you stay in the promised land, if you stay on the path of faith, you win 100% of the time. Because it's not by your strength, it's not by your might, but it's by the spirit of the almighty God. And it's by faith you grab a hold of these things. So Satan is the only way, the only reason he's doing these things is because he wants to get you to doubt. But I speak today that you're not going to doubt the word of God. You're going to stand alone Hallelujah. on his promises and believe every word. If it's in the Bible, it's for me. If yes. God spoke it to me, I'm going to take you to the bank because yes. I'm going to stand on the word of God. And the devil is not going to get me to doubt. So today, I hope this encourages you that you get in the Word of God. You get in your prayer closet. You get what the will of God is, like Ephesians 5.17, and you be wise in everything you do because you know the will of God and you have intimacy with Him. Yes, and if you feel like, you know what, I've gotten off the rails, Mariah and Jacob. I, I haven't been reading my word. I haven't been praying in the Holy Ghost. I haven't been praying. I haven't been spending time with God. 
Don't let the devil fill you with shame. The Bible says that if we confess our sins to him, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness. So today, repent of of that. Repent and and turn to God. Confess your sin. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to make you clean and get back on track. Get into the word. Get into that, that prayer closet. Get back with God because you know what? His mercies are new every morning. Don't let the devil try to fill you with shame and guilt. Just say, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday and I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, but today I am going to serve God with all of my heart. I'm going to go after God with everything that's within me. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to make his word a priority. I'm going to make spending time with him a priority. I think it's crazy that people would think that they don't have to make prayer and Bible study a priority when Jesus, who literally is God, made it a priority. He knew no sin and he still made it a priority. he literally is the word of God, and he literally yeah. took time to constantly read in the Bible. He got away, and he would pray. He got away, and he'd spend time with the Lord. So what makes us think that it shouldn't be a priority in our lives? Honestly, we could all up it. There's more that we can do. There's more. I'm not saying this from a place of condemnation. I've been there where I've looked, and it's been a, you know, a week since I read my Bible. But I never want to get to that place ever again in my life because I've seen how it's changed me from the inside side out and how it makes me stronger and through the battles man the battles don't even seem to affect you like they used to because you can stand upon the word of God you have the sword of the spirit which is part of the armor of God which is the word of God that you can and and take down every single attack from the enemy and the last thing I practically wanted to say is that you need to be in church yes it's a tendency for people that when they go through a battle they fall out of church Oh, where's so-and-so been? Oh, well, they've been going through a really hard time, and they haven't been to church for three weeks. You know, I was listening to a testimony the other day of um, an evangelist whose son died, and he said that uh, I think it was like 27 hours since he had been at the funeral home. He walked into church with his daughter, and he said people were just staring at him and had their mouth open and their eyes big. It wasn't 27 hours. It was like that day. Oh, okay. It was like five minutes. Oh, yeah. And he was there. And people were shocked. Yeah. And it's like, we shouldn't be shocked. We should yeah. be shocked when people aren't in church. But when people are going through a battle, they should be on the front row with their hands lifted high in the altar, getting in the presence of God. That's how it should be. Because if you don't, when you do fall out, you're doing exactly what Satan wants you to yeah, do. You're, you you you're just took the bait, hook, line, and sinker, and he's reeling you in back into that, that land that he wants you to be in. Oh, yeah. And so if you're going through a battle today and, you're, and you, you know, you, the devil is convinced, you know what, just take a break. Just take a time out. What is going and sitting in a meadow and staring at the sky going to do for you? Yeah. Nothing. But people convince themselves that that's what they need, that they just need time away. No, you need to be in the house of God. You need to be with the people of God. You need to be in the presence of God. And yes, the presence of God can be in your home. Yes, the presence of God can be in your car. But there is nothing like coming together in corporate worship, being with the people of God, and and, and letting God's presence change you and transform you. I love an old song that sings, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. That when you come into the presence of God, you can expect, I'm going to leave encouraged. I'm going to leave blessed. I'm going to leave healed. I'm going to leave whole. Don't let the devil convince you to take yourself out. No, that's the time to push in even more. To say, devil, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Every time the doors are open. Every time the doors are open, I'm going to be in the house of God. And I I just, this keeps popping up in in my um, spirit. But this story about a pastor who went to somebody's house that had been struggling and they had kind of not been going to church and you know all of a sudden when you stop going to church bitterness starts to creep up yeah and uh, you start you to start get, blaming the body of Christ for not reaching out when you're the one who separated yourself from the body of Christ yeah exactly and the pastor went over and and um the to this guy's house and the guy was talking and and the pastor just took a there was a fire there and he just took a coal out of the fire and he just set it on the ground. And all of a sudden, that coal just began to become cold and, and lifeless. And he said, that's what happens when we separate ourselves wow. from the fire. Yeah, that's good. 
That's what happens when we separate ourselves from the body of Christ, from the house of the Lord. So the, the enemy might make you think just like, oh, man, Egypt may be better. Oh, man, it would be better if I just do this on my own and, and I just don't want to be around people right now. They don't understand what I'm going through. That's a tactic of the enemy. And before you know it, you'll be cold and you won't even be serving God. You'll be back in Egypt. But I'm telling you, get as close to the fire as you possibly can, no matter what it looks like, no matter the battle. You get in the fire. The, the Bible says to fan the flame. Get in the fire and get hotter than you've ever been before. And watch what happens. Watch how the battle will turn to nothing because of what God will do as you serve him. Yeah, and that brought something up that I heard this great saying from a man of God. I can't remember exactly who said it. It might have been Kenneth Hagin. But it was talking about anytime you feel sorry for yourself, you know it's the devil speaking. Because not once in the Bible did anybody speak from the Spirit of God to feel sorry for themselves. So anytime any pity or, man, this has happened to me, that's the devil speaking to you. Anytime you feel not respected or all these things, the devil is trying to cause disunity, try to cause bitterness, try to cause all these things to cause a crack in your shield, the shield of faith, that he can crawl into and get into your life and destroy it. So anytime... I don't, see what happens is you're listening to us today and you're saying, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's happened. Your life's all roses and all these things. Well, I heard another guy who was teaching and he said, maybe challenges come and I just didn't even realize they came. Because I was too busy serving God and getting closer with God. I promise you, as you keep putting your nose down, putting your nose in the word of God, keep praying and keep going God, challenges will come and they'll disappear and they'll be gone because you weren't. Anytime an attack comes, please, please listen. Anytime an attack comes, don't make it a highlight reel for the devil. Don't post it on Facebook. Don't tell all your friends. The devil doesn't need a highlight reel of Go what there, he's doing Jacob. to your life. You, you give the devil a highlight reel. Oh, this is happening in my life. This is happening in my life. What, what's God doing? Where's your testimony? We don't overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the highlight of the devil. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Your testimony shouldn't be 90% of what all the devil did to you and 10% of what, how God kind of fixed it. Your testimony should be 99% of the what 1% of what the devil tried to do, what he tried to do, and 90% of God how he fixed it and turned it around and used it to catapult you 3,000 miles ahead of where you were and turned where the devil went for bad and God turned it for good. So again, whatever's happening in your life, quit talking about it. You're giving life to it. You're, the Bible says in Job, you shall decree a thing and it shall be established. When you, when you post a Facebook, it shall be established. You're posting it. I have this problem. I have these struggles. Quit giving the devil a highlight reel. He doesn't need it. He, he's already prideful enough. He's already full of pride enough. He doesn't need his head any bigger. If it, it gets any bigger, it'll explode. So quit giving the devil a highlight reel. I, I'm not saying that to be, I don't, I'm not thinking about anybody when I say this. Don't, I'm not talking about you. But quit giving the devil a highlight reel. If it, 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 and it's going to be very tempting to do it. It's very tempting to have a pity party. It's very tempting to say, woe is me. But I promise you, God's spirit is not on that. And don't ever let an attack from hell define your life. Yes. Don't ever let an attack from hell define your life. You are not what the devil tried to do to you. You are who Jesus Christ says that you are. Amen. And that's more than a conqueror. That's a victor. That is a overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And I just say to everyone listening today, you're going to have a testimony that's going to blow people's minds. That this is not where it ends. The battle is not where it ends. Defeat is not where it ends. But victory is where it ends in Jesus. Jesus mighty name. And as we end today, I, I pray that this has encouraged you. I pray that you don't, you're not even thinking about the battle anymore, but you're thinking about the victory and what God yes. is going to do in your life, in your story, in your family, at the next doctor's appointment, that all the glory is going to go to God. But I'm going to ask Jacob just to pray over those that would say, you know what, I have been in a battle. I've kind of gotten my focus off. I, I've looked back at Egypt, but I'm going to have him pray. And you're never going to look back again. You're not going to look back to those things. You're not going to go down, but the victory is yours in Jesus' name. And if you are not a child of God today, he's going to have a moment to lead you in the sinner's prayer to where today everything in your life could change because no longer are you a slave to sin, but when you receive Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new person. The old has passed and the new has come. Jacob, would you pray for our yes. listeners today? And before I pray, 
if this it hasn't resonated with you or it hasn't clicked, I want you to tell, I want to tell a quick testimony and about going on high and a challenge and it coming up. A man that comes to our church, his name is Toby DePoister. He is preaching tonight, Sunday night, the services, and God has laid a mighty word on his heart, and he's been on this high. He went to camp. He, has been, he was in the same service that the presence of God was moving. All these great things were happening in his life. And what happened? That attack, that last flare-up from the enemy. He was trying to mess with the car, and the radiator exploded, and all the hot antifreeze got on his body and started burning his skin. But what did he do? He didn't get on Facebook. He didn't call family and friends and start saying, woe is me, and worry about me. He didn't make a single post about it. But what he did was he called his brothers and sisters in Christ, and he called me, and he said, hey, can you pray for me? And I said, is there anything I can do for you, Toby? He said, just pray. Just pray. Because he understood what the will of God is. He said, the devil's attacking me because he knows I do. he doesn't want me to preach this message. But I can tell you right now, the devil tried to stop him, but hallelujah, he couldn't stop him. And tonight, he's bringing the word of God. Because he stood on the word of God. He had a relationship with God. He hallelujah. understood the will of God. And he said, devil, you're not winning this fight. And he came to church this morning, and you couldn't even tell he was in an accident. You couldn't even tell anything because the devil tried to attack him. But God said no. So if you, today, if you're going through things in life and you want to live on this victorious life, you, you're, I talk about this victory coming, and you're saying, Jacob, I even got it to the first victory level to get to the second challenge level. Well, don't be worried about the challenge. You need to get the victory today. Get the victory wherever you are listening to this. And you're saying, Jacob, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have this intimacy. Well, where the intimacy starts is with becoming saved. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, I ask you, why haven't you? The last days are, are, are on us right now. We're not living in the last days anymore. We're living in the final seconds of the last day. Jesus can return at any moment. So if you're not right with God, get right with God today. Let that journey to the promised land, let walking a victorious life start today. If you want to make that decision, say this prayer with me. It's not my words that are going to save you. It's not your words that are going to save you. But it's the believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that you will be saved. Repeat this prayer after me with your hands lifted to God to receive a touch from him. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son to come to this earth to die a gruesome, a gruesome death on a cross because of my sins. I'm sorry of all the sins I committed. I repent today. I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose for me. So, Father, fill me with your spirit to make me strong where I was weak, to give me power over any attack of the enemy. And I believe from this day forward that I'm going to walk in a deeper and greater power than I ever have before. And I thank you for this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just said that prayer, you just became born again. Old thing, all the old things, all the nastiness passed away. Amen. You're a new species. Yes. You're a new creature. Hallelujah. Come on, we celebrate with you today. If, that, if you prayed that prayer, you are saved and we celebrate and rejoice. And the Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing right now as you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Hey, we love you so, so much. We thank you so much for just taking some time to listen today and, and for letting your faith be built. This is our first episode of Faith on the Air, but we're going to be coming to you every single week, week to build your faith, to encourage you and to go through the word of God. So we love you. We thank you for listening. If this encouraged you today, we just ask you to share it with a friend. Share it with somebody that it can encourage. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Faith on the Air podcast. If this message encouraged you today, make sure to share it with your friends and on social media. And make sure to check back next Tuesday for a brand new episode. You can also listen to our weekly sermons on our sister podcast, the EFGC Podcast. Just search Edgewood Full Gospel Church on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, the Holy Ghost is moving. Your future is improving. There is a spirit of faith in the air.